Hello, I'm Vinny and I like travelling. I'm trying to get to 100 countries. This is country 81. This is The Gambia. Hello, check one, check two, here we go. Right, so I am in The Gambia, in the most touristy part of The Gambia. I haven't been here for long and uh, already it's having quite a devastating effect on my human psyche. As you may well hear in the background, there's some drumming and African beats, which usually I'd be really happy about. And I am in many ways, but I'm going through a complete mind fuck that I can't quite deal with. Basically, I'm going to try and explain, the be explain this the best I can. I feel a bit like I was on an African adventure I was on a boat having just spent a few days in a village in the middle of nowhere and then I was on a minibus with a goat and then I was plunked into a life of a man called Dave the Accountant who occasionally goes on holidays to crazy places and never leaves his resort but when he does he comes to restaurants like this because he loves a bit of the African drumming. That's basically what's happening. Shit description, but what I'm saying is, I've gone from real Africa to organized fun for tourists sake Africa, and I'm not comfortable with it one bit. I was in a restaurant, it was full of white people, and they're all nice, they're all English, and they're all like retired people that want a bit of guaranteed winter sun, and who can bloody blame them? You know, it's just knocked into February now and this country, an ex-British country, uh, independent for the best part of 40-something years, has, uh, is fine. But it's not really what I wanted because it's kind of boring. I don't want to talk to Dave the accountant and I don't want to talk to Steve, the retired locksmith and I don't want to talk to Barbara from Liverpool who really likes the weather here and aren't people friendly but no I don't culturally know fucking anything about this place. I, I get it but I don't like it. I suppose the best way to describe it for anyone from North America is imagine you were travelling across the arsehole end of Mexico and all of a sudden you stumbled across Cancun. Well that's what's happened here and for anyone that's slightly more familiar with the Spanish coast. Imagine you're in, I don't know, Tarragona and you went to a couple of sleepy little villages and the next thing you know you're on the Costa del Sol. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's weird and I don't like it and the African drummers you hear me aren't doing it just because they want to wish in the dreams of their elders. They're doing it for money, which is cool. And now think about that. I'm slagging off someone that's managed to make money out of their cultural heritage and that's quite healthy and that's where this whole travel tourism thing gets a bit complicated because frankly I'm happy that there's a band on there and also I'm happy that Dave the accountant is listening to them because it's much better he's doing that than sitting in no offense but a Margate hotel wondering why it's fucking freezing so actually I'm glad that he's here and I'm glad that his wife's here and I'm glad they've had a nice little meal and contributed to the local economy and I'm glad that the drummers are on stage and I'm glad all of this exists and I think the whole thing is healthy and I don't want to sound like a pompous prick but frankly it's not my fucking cup of tea I'd rather be sailing down a river or hiring a motorbike or I don't know the, uh, as I was the other day, and this is genuinely true, on the back of a bus where someone removed a small goat so I could sit down. I'd rather that. There's not a sniff of a goat round here, apart from in the slightly anglicised curry that's available in that restaurant. So, all I'm saying is, whilst this is brilliant and I'm glad it exists, and I'm sure if you're retired and you're English, and you want an excellent, safe holiday that's really cheap, this is exactly the place for you. It's not really the place for me. So I'm very excited to get them out of here tomorrow. In the meantime, I'll walk back into the restaurant and give you a little slice of the drumming. I was also, one of the other th reasons I'm probably a bit pissed off is because, um, it's probably worth mentioning, I am trying to vlog this for the first time ever. I've never done any vlogging before. And so I've got a GoPro on a selfie stick, 
which I've whopped out occasionally and made reasonable films so far. But um, <laughs> I just, while I don't mind doing it in some, you know, remote town where they've barely seen idiots like me, the last thing I want to do is here because I feel like I'm worse than Dave the Accountant. You know? <laughs> so I'm... <laughs> So I'm struggling, I'm struggling mentally with this place because it's great for what it is, it's just not what I wanted. And it happens to be halfway through this traveling trip. You get the idea. I think I'll finish the rant. I walk into the restaurant, you can hear some drumming. Just bear in mind they are wearing leopard trousers. Not original leopard skin, I think that would be inappropriate. So it's a cloth. Table nine, she says. She's from Birmingham. It was time to get out of there. I jumped in a taxi and got chatting. He told me he wanted to change his life. He was a bit bored, so I told him he should work in a cheese factory. He told me he'd already done that before in Wisconsin. I did not see that coming. What was life like in the Gambia? Okay, so you've got two kids. Yep. You're 40. I'm 40, yep. You live in the Gambia. Yep. Do you like the Gambia? Not really. No. <laughs> Not really. I what? mean, I love the Gambia. It's my country. Yeah. But I don't like so many things in the Gambia. What's what? Do you, what don't you like in the Gambia? I don't like the government. I don't like people's attitude towards work. Yeah. You know, I don't like people's attitude towards development in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah corruption and the selfishness, nobody care about the country, you know, everybody just care about themselves, you know what I'm saying? Do you, oh, so, do you think that's a problem in the Gambia? Do you think that too many people care about themselves? Yeah, of course. But that's understandable, you care about yourself. I do, but I care about other stuff too. Yeah. You know, I care about the country, I care about other people. Yeah. Not a, not a whole lot of people think like that, you know. But then you lived in Wisconsin and worked in a cheese factory. Yeah. America's very self-centered. Yeah, but they are very nationalist too. They love their country. Yeah. Yes. And um, you love your and country. And they stand by their country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't stand by our country. Oh, I think I see your point. So you're yeah. saying that you want your country to be better. It's not just about you. No, it's not just oh, about me. Oh, I see me. what you're saying. Yeah. It's not just about me. We think of about our kids, their future, you know. Yeah. We have to make the country better, you know. Leave it in a better position for them, you know. Yeah, I, well, good for you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, you, know, you do. That's the thing, you know. It's a healthy approach to the world. We drove on through the night, down dusty streets, lit only by moonlight. Him ranting, me mostly listening, thinking it felt like every London taxi I'd ever been in. But when this guy talks about corruption, it really did outdo British political corruption. And that includes the MP who claimed expenses for a fucking duck pond. Why were all the tourists so old? The average age was about a thousand. Why? Yeah, yeah but you know, most of the tourists that come here are retirees. You know, young, young people don't come here, it's retirees, old people. Why is it only old people that come to Gambia? Then? Exactly. Do you know why that is? Yeah, I, I have an idea, because, you know, it's expensive, people have to save to come here. Right, you know? because the flights are expensive. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, most of the people, most people at their working age can make, you know, holiday trip. Yeah. You know. Maybe it's good that you don't have young people, because young British people are a pain in the ass. They just <laughs> drink and get naked and shout. You don't want yeah. those people. You want that. Then you want the old retired ones. Well, the old ones. people, they're nice people. Exactly. Yeah, they're and nice they're calm yeah. and they're 
wise and they're tranquil. That, yeah, exactly. They're tranquil. They're easier to deal with. I went to bed that night, desperate to get a bit crazy in the morning and to get away from the tourists. So I rented the biggest motorbike I could find, which was a semi-automatic hairdryer, and took on the road to explore the Gambia. By the way, if I haven't mentioned this, the Gambia is the legal name of the Gambia. There is only one other the country. And I'll let you know at the end of the podcast what it is. What's the name of the other the country? And it's the, it begins with B. I can't tell you more than that or I'll be giving it away. I've just rented a moped. It's not for the, for the weak-hearted. And uh, I'm driving south of the river in Gambia, along the river, to go and look at a nature reserve. And uh, I'm pretty close to the airport. Um, all right, mate. And uh, everyone says hello to you all the time. It's brilliant. It's so friendly. Anyway, I'm, I'm just stopped at a restaurant near Banjul International Airport. And there's a, a guy in here from Yorkshire who lives here. And he's been telling me a little bit about his life when he does live here for about six months of the year. So let's find out a little bit more about life in Gambia. All right, so this is fascinating. So you live here, you bought an acre of land. Remind me how much that was? 16,000, well, the house. And yeah. the land, 16, 16 grand for the house and the land. Yes. You paid the brickies 30 pounds a month. 30 pounds a month? Yes, that was a good wage. And what year was this? Three years ago. 30 pounds a month? Yes. So your average brickie is on less than 10 pounds a week? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Oh, it's nice. What's going on on the, the, the stairs there? Right, I've got a sun deck on top. Oh, I see. I've got a sun deck on top and a beer fridge, and that's where the chief inspector comes and sits up there <laughs> and has a, on an evening. Do you speak any Olof? Uh, I can understand it, yes. Can you? Yeah, I can understand it quite a bit. Do most people around here speak Olof? Olof, yeah. yeah. Or Mendinka. Or Mendinka, yeah. Do you speak any Mendinka? I can understand little bits of it. Yeah. Not, no, I can't speak it, but I can listen. I know what they're talking about. Yeah. So what was it that got you about this place? Obviously, you came years and years and years ago. My wife died in 2000. And in 2005, my son said to me, Dad, you're not going out. You're not going on holiday now. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. It's all that money sat in bank. Yeah. From the, from the company that you sold? I sold it for 1.2 million, retired. Yeah. And he said, there's all that money. And he, he says, you can't even spend interest. Go and do something. I said, oh, no. I said, if your mum were here, then, yeah, we'd go around the world and we'd do anything. But anyway, for my birthday, he brought me a ticket to come to Gambia, a fortnight's holiday, everything's paid for in Banjo in okay. Gambia. Gambia, okay. Africa. And you've never been to Africa no. at this point? I said, no. I said, okay. I'm not going to bloody Africa. I said, <laughs> I might get eaten with a lion and a croc. That's so what everyone says yeah. about Africa, yeah. Do you live here in, in that three bedroom house on your own? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, got a, I've got a gardener, I've got a cleaner, I've got a girl that comes and does washing in Is the gardener on site? Yeah. He lives there? He lives, he lives next door. Did you build him a little house? No, I built him a place. I built a school at the end of my compound. I've got 43 kids in a school and they go there free. I pay teachers. Do you? Yeah. Good for you, man. Kids. This is quite a step from someone that didn't want to leave the house. So that, that That's what, your, what your son did yeah. changed your life, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, did. I'd have been dead now, honestly. Why did you say that? Because I'd have vegetated at home. You just didn't have enough to live for? I wasn't bothered where I went. My son used to come round and bring me something to eat. Dad, what you had to eat today? Well, I'm not bothered. I'll have a sandwich later, you know, or not. Honestly. Just plodding along, weren't you? Yeah. 
That's really good that he had the foresight to try that. Had he been to Gambia before? No, they went into travel agents and said, I want somewhere for my dad. He's on his own and I want him to enjoy himself. I want him to sightsee and all that. We're just a place, you know. Thomas Cook it. Thomas Cook? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be doing that now, would you? For the last six years, Thomas Cook have sponsored me to come over here. Because of the school? Because I work with the Prince's Trust. Right. Oh, I've been all, I've been all over Gambia putting clean water systems in schools. Ah, uh, right. Put a borehole in, I put a pump in and a solar panel on the roof. And the kids call me Mr. Magic <laughs> because they can turn a tap and get water out of it. Yeah. It's magic. See? It's magic. Kids were climbing, what they did, they go chop a tree down put the tree down the well and climb down the tree to get the water and climb back up it from the school and put it in a trough. Right. We put some stainless steel pipe working in a pump and what have you and they had a tap inside school. Yeah. Same trough but then they got them little water drinkers, you know, you just press them water. So who pays for that? Is that you? Yeah. I buy it from, from well I have them shipped over from me. 24 volt. So you're, I think there's a real lesson in this. You're alive because you've got a purpose and you're busy yeah. and you're clearly happy. Yeah. Oh. And all of that is because you're helping other people. Yeah. You've created your own purpose, haven't you? Well, yeah. yeah. It upsets me sometimes because you can't help everyone. There's that many that need it. For the six months that you go home now, or travel, yeah. How do you feel about leaving your place? I presume the gardener's there Security. and... And you have to pay them, do you? Bag of rice. Really? And, and a place to stay, obviously. Yeah. And they're there, 24-7. Yeah, I've got a dog on site as well, Tiger. A white man walks in, they'll fuss him. A black man walks in, he'll... You've got a racist dog. Well, good for you for doing all that work. Your wife would be proud of you. Hey, I'm on a motorbike and I'm um, travelling south of the Gambia River. But the problem is the rental motorbike that I've got, which is a 120cc little pootler, a little dinky toy of a motorbike. But it's a motorbike, apparently. It looks a bit like a moped. But the problem is, yeah, it keeps, it keeps running out of petrol because the gap between petrol stations is really big. So every time I'm just about to run out, I stop at a village and ask. And in this case, the guy said, yeah, I'll go and get you some. And he's rode off on his motorbike. I'm at the side of the road. He's gone to get some petrol. And then we'll fill mine up and off we go. So it's not like the biggest deal ever but um, I probably should have brought a gas canister with me. But let's go and talk to these guys under the trees, away from the 35 degree heat, and see what they've got to say. How you doing, boys? We've got the tea, we've got the nuts. What else? Is that a donkey? No, no, you're all good. You're all good. Good music. Yeah, it's so, baobab juice and green yeah. tea. Yeah, green tea. And then you give it to the boss there also, you have a Whoa, test. Oh, sorry, it's hot? <laughs> it is, it's hot. Sweet. What? Really sweet. <laughs> so much sugar. No sugar. There's loads of sugar in there. There's 10 spoons of sugar in that thing. Wow, baobab juice and green tea. Wow. It's actually Mostly quite nice. I am Sam. Hi Sam, good yeah. to see you. Living in this village. Where's your house? Oh, okay. Just behind the donkeys. And uh, what's your normal life, Sam? What do you do? You got a job here? Yeah, my job is bakery. Oh, is it? Yeah, I do bakery in my home. You know, my home is so far. So you make bread? 
You're the bread man. Yeah. Sam, Sam, the bread man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind, I can take you. Just, you know, you see the compound. Just look down there before the man comes. I start to work in the morning. I take it to the shop for the customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Bake it, I bake it night, eight o'clock in the morning. I take it to the shop. The customer take it for breakfast. The following day in the morning also. In the evening, I start to work. Yeah. Do you make French bread? Baguettes? Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Oh, I love baguettes. Yeah. So that's why I need to, if you see, just to go and see, you have observe. You also, you can have your idea. What Any idea that you have, you see it. I like it. I bet you like it, yeah. Sam. That's right. good. That's a good yeah. job. Can you make yeah. cakes? Yeah. What kind of cakes can you make? I make cake with, you know, with milk. This sweet, just like sweet breads, make milk, you know, with sugar. Are you married, Sam? No, I'm not married. Are you going to get married? I want, I want to marry, I want to marry. I want to make the development after I get married. Oh, yeah. yeah. Make the development, then get married. Okay, Sam, I'm going to fill up this bike. Sam wants me to come to his bakery. I'm not sure I really want to go because it's a bit short for time before the sun goes down. But here's the petrol. Arrived by motorbike. Is that one litre? Yeah, it's one litre. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate that. That's a nice bike. Yeah. I like that bike. Like this one? It's a good bike. And when you come before you hire this one, you come here. Yeah, you know what? Next time I might come here, give you some money, and rent that. Okay. It'd be easier. It's more fun than this one. Okay. <laughs> I want this bad boy. Look at this little thing. Yeah, it's little, but it's fast. It does the job. It yeah. does 80 does kilometers an hour. Yeah. Oh. More um, concrete blocks in the middle of the road. Thanks, boys. See you next time. I drove off into the hot sun, safe in the knowledge that I would inevitably run out of petrol again fairly soon. But knowing fully well I could get a bottle of petrol from some random stranger at the side of the road while his friends would give me green tea and baobab juice. It was becoming hard to understand how people could be so friendly in a country so corrupt. Later that night I met a Gambian guy over a beer in a little town full of goats and dusty battered vegetable stalls. When I say dusty, battered vegetable stalls, I don't mean like the vegetables were battered and happened to be in a dusty stall. Let's try that again. Du uh, in, in loads of dusty, battered stalls selling vegetables, in case there was any confusion. So does that mean that Gambia now has got a president that is outstaying his welcome? Yeah. Yeah. So he, is, he has completely broken all the promises. Well, historically, this is the beginning of where stuff goes really wrong. And already people have died in the government. Mm. Police shot kids in Faraba. You pass the village when you're coming. Because they own their lands. We say the villagers own their lands. This is where their, their mums and their sisters go do their farming and everything else. And then suddenly the government just, just made a contract with this guy who is a contractor and they said, right, you go to that village and you can do your sand or gravel stone mining. No, I have license to come and mine here. No, you don't. This is our place. This is where our parents or ourselves this is where we get our food from. And then they go back to government, negotiations, negotiations, and then finally the guy came back with his machinery, starts digging, and the kid said, right. Maybe 15,000 kids, all with catapult or slingshots. Okay. Sticks, uh, start firebombing the big, big machines. And then the military came, not the military, the police. They said they were overpowered by the kids, so they, they had no choice. They, so they fired live rounds. If you want to control a crowd of kids, you don't send 15 police officers. You certainly know. don't use open firing. You know, they, they use so, and they killed those kids, they though? Killed three or four of them. Are they really? Yeah, and there was a big commotion and then civilians were arrested, police officers were arrested and next minute the government says, you know what, we'll negotiate. We'll let you all free for this and this and this reason. Boom, gone. Uh, eating $47,000 a month 
That's his food. The president, yeah. forty-seven thousand dollars. Sleep, sleeping on TV. Every time. God, how African is that? Chat to camera where he goes on so long, he, he bores himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such a shame that history repeats itself. So this is a government that's really failed. We've got a country that's got a president here that is outstaying his welcome, that's open firing on protesters. What do you think is going to happen? People are going to come out. Nobody's, nobody's scared anymore. People are not scared anymore. If, you, if I want to say something, they'll come out. Mm. You arrest them, you arrest them. They'll come out. You can't arrest the whole country. <laughs> it's democracy now. That's what they said. You know, do you I, think it is a democracy? When he first came, it, it felt like that. Uh. And then gradually, it's, people are seeing it. Yeah. You know, if I, if I give you a job as a minister, I shouldn't be standing there and dictating what you should be telling people. Vinny, push Vinny aside. I'll deal with the situation. Yeah, yeah. Dictate. Yeah. yeah. Dictate. No, sometimes it's crazy. African presidents? So if I was to ask you, on a scale of one to ten, how corrupt is the Gambia now, today, what would you say? I'll, I'll give it a ten. You'd give it a ten? But I've been driving a motorbike around for days and I've seen no problems. Riding a motorbike in the sunshine, it feels like the most wonderfully open, happy country. Is that because I'm a white guy? Uh, that's why when you stop, they greet you to see who you are. When you speak their local language, ha, he's one of us. So every time I get stopped sometimes, it's like, oh, so what is good for us today? Ah, I have some smoke for you. So how much is a policeman or a policewoman paid? Every month. For 38 pounds or 40 a month. A, a policeman is yes. paid 38... Say let's say 40. Let's go mental. 40 pounds a month. 40 pounds. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are. A month. You could be there for 50 years. I go fishing and I catch two big fish. And I make... Five, six times the amount they're paying the police in two hours. In two hours, you make six times what a policeman yeah. makes in a month. Exactly. Because you caught some fish. I caught massive fish and I called a, a fishmonger from the market. He comes to my place, he weighs the fish. I sell him for 250 a kilo. So let's say my fish was 22 kilos. I get two or three of them. Always. So like, how the fuck are you gonna stamp out corruption if you're paying your police 40 pounds a month. Yeah, that's, it. that's, that's the issue here. You can't do it, can you? No. Of course they're asking you. I mean, I... in a way, you must feel okay paying, don't yeah. you? No, no, I, I feel okay giving them that. Anyway. Yeah. Sometimes they, I tell you, this is me traveling all the time on this road. I feel them. So I keep money separate. Even if you don't ask, I can see in your eyes that you know what, you're just there, but you don't want this job. So I just give out a hundred, and they smile when I do that. You know. Well, that's fascinating. I, I think that that's proved exactly what is wrong, because it's a beautiful country, people are fantastic, but you can't pay your police forty quid a month. Exactly. You can't do it, lads. It's not going to work. That's why if you need any documents with the immigration. Bribery. Yeah. If you need to renew your driver's license, bribe. If you need to renew any documents, bribe. It's a jungle out there. A few days and plenty of adventure later, I'd followed the mighty Gambia River and looked at the mangrove swamps that it had to offer. I'd seen monkeys swinging from tree to tree, some scary crocodiles. I'd attempted to climb the vines like Tarzan in the jungle before realising I was a middle-aged man. And I'd taken a tour of a particular park where I learnt there are mangrove trees that actually sweat salt. Fact. I headed back to Senegal because I was flying out of the extremely inconveniently located Dakar airport. On my very last night, I stopped at a little town called Tubakuta, which I could never pronounce, as you're about to find out. And, uh, yeah, just reflected on what the entire trip was like and what it had all meant to me. Hey there. So another day, actually another night now, 
as I contemplate the Gambia. What a place, what a place that was. I've only been to not even a quarter of the African countries. There's more than 50. And the Gambia is without doubt one of my favourites, if not my favourite. It doesn't have the animals that you would expect to find in Tanzania. Gambia's got pretty much everything you could want from an African experience. I personally, and I have to highlight this point intensely, I personally way prefer it to Senegal. I just really like it because I can talk to people. So I can learn a lot more about the country because I speak English and in Gambia they speak English. It really is that simple. Whereas in Senegal, they speak French and everyone is equally as friendly and desperate for chat, but it just doesn't go anywhere because I just can't. Wandering around the Gambia, I hired a motorbike and drove about and I was absolutely awestruck by its beauty. As previously mentioned many times, excuse the repetition, hopefully you're flattered by the authenticity. Um, it's a river, that's what it is. It's a bloody big river country and that river is spectacularly beautiful. Throw in there all the usual trimmings of uh, extremely gorgeous music floating through somewhat compromised and, and broken speakers uh, and all the usual madness, um, incredible friendliness and some really different landscapes actually. On the north bank of the Gambia, the far less populated towns, driving a motorbike through there, I really didn't see much apart from big sweeping landscapes on either side, interrupted occasionally by a tiny little village with just a few kids running around and a well and not much going on. But it was that sort of sense of space that I didn't expect because I'd read one of the most populated African countries per square kilometre. So I was expecting sort of, you know, people peering out from behind every possible tree. And it really wasn't like that. It was, it was really it was nothing like that at all, actually. It was just a huge open space, 35 degree beaming heat, me, a motorbike and a big smile on my face and then occasionally just stop and everyone wants to know where you're from and what you're up to and they're really helpful as well they're desperate to jump in they're very uh, patriotic about their country i did stop in a restaurant and uh, i had a very questionable piece of fish which is still rumbling away down below um, i'm still not sure that was the best idea i did look at it or what was left of it i think it had already been half eaten when it served up on top of the rice um, and it did look a bit dodge, but I thought, when in Africa, give it a shot. Just as well I had the old wet ones ready to go because it was, uh, well, you don't need the graphic nature of this, but let's just say I became very accustomed with the feeling of porcelain on my bottom. I chatted to a guy in that restaurant and he told me about the Gambia and uh, I didn't really want to stick a microphone in his face because it's a bit rude. Um, but he happened to be an internationally well-traveled man who had come back having done an economics masters in Turkey. He spoke five languages and here he was in this dingy roadside cafe uh, eating the same fish as me. Although dare I say he probably hasn't been seeing so much of the inside of a bathroom. I think he's more used to it than I am. And I talked to him about the Gambia and I'll tell you what he said. So this is not politically motivated from my point because I really don't know much about it, but I'm really interested in what he said. In his opinion, things were going backward. And then he painted this classic Africa story. So sad, but so repetitious in so many of these African countries. In comes a guy that came in after it was um, released the shackles, the shackles had been released of the British. Uh, in comes a guy called Dorda Jawara for nearly 25 years. Yes, I am adding this bit in the studio afterwards. I looked for a bag of crickets to keep it consistent, but I couldn't find any. So here I am, cricketless in a studio. But I thought it was important to get this bit of history right, so I'm going to do it briefly. In comes Jawara, right? Dorda Jawara and he was in for 25 years. Um, and he was quite corrupt, but not as bad as most African leaders in those days. So that guy was around from independence to like late 90s. 
And then in the late 90s, I think it was 1996, a guy called Jame came in. Jame. Uh, here's, here's some of the highlights of Jame. And Jame was around from 1996 to 2017. Okay, so a good slog of time. Uh, Jame told journalists to obey his government or go to hell. Uh, he said that he allowed too much freedom of expression and proved this by firebombing a radio station that didn't like him. Jame claimed he could cure HIV and AIDS with natural herbs. Uh, he said he would introduce legislation that would set laws against homosexuals that would be stricter than those of Iran and he would cut off the head of any gay or lesbian person, which he called vermin, discovered in the country. In March 2009, Amnesty International reported that up to 1,000 Gambians had been abducted by government-sponsored witch doctors on charges of witchcraft. Witchcraft? So they're witch-hunting in 2009? Those people were taken to government detention centres where they were forced to drink poisonous hallucinogenic substances. Jamir stole... $11.4 million from the state's treasury and used a cargo plane to ship out his luxury vehicles during his last weeks in power. Jamer is accused of having stolen millions of dollars from the country's coffers to fund a life of luxury. After leaving office, his assets were frozen by many countries and he went into exile. In addition to charges of corruption and human rights violations, he is also accused of having raped a number of women. He now lives in exile in Equatorial Guinea in a mansion. Most of his decisions were down to religious beliefs. Hurrah, religion. What a prick. Now, since then, so that was up until 2017, this dodgy bastard Jame has, has since run off to Equatorial Guinea, where I think the president there is, was probably mates with him. So I should assume he just gave a wad of money to someone and said, um, make sure no one shoots me. Is he happy? I very much doubt it. Um, since then, since 2017, we've had this guy, Adam Barrow, right? And he's the guy that said he would only be in power for three years. Now he thinks he'll do five years, and that's upset some people because he's broken a promise. Yeah, some African leaders treat being in power like a snooze button. So where was I? Moat looks after his government buddies and corruption is rife. And corruption is rising in the Gambia, which is not what a country needs. And of course, you're always going to have corruption when you pay your police 45 US dollars a month. That's just implicit. They have to be corrupt because they can't afford to live. I asked him the question, surely with your masters you could go and live in New York and make sure you could earn a lot of money and send it home like everyone else does. There's a brain drain here, of course. Everyone leaves and ends up sending money home. And he said, I could do that. He said, um, five to 10% of Gambians live abroad and send money home. And if you drive through any of the villages here, you'll see nothing but money transfer places, you know, um, Western Union money transfer and so on. And uh, of course, all that money is coming back from all over the world to here. But he said, uh, just to give you a quick wrap up on his amazing wisdom, I really like this guy. Um, he said that it shouldn't be this way. This could be a, a bit of a breadbasket of Africa. After all, it's all flat and underneath, you only have to drill about 20 meters and there's massive aquifers of water. You can pop up a well anywhere. And if you can pop up a well anywhere, then you can get through the dry season. So you can plant anything you want. And the fact that in, uh, in the Gambia, nearly every single bag of rice comes from China and most of their vegetables are imported. It's absolutely idiotic. So, President's a bit wonky, looking after himself, looking after his mates, and unfortunately not giving the money to the masses and not ploughing it into, pardon the pun, ploughing it into agriculture and making sure that the country is self-sufficient. And indeed, even, let's be honest, to a point where it could be exporting. So yeah, that's what he said. And uh, so then I cried a bit. <laughs> it's a bit miserable, isn't it, really? It's such a beautiful country and I'm so immediately attached to it that I was quite upset to hear that. Um, but yeah, I didn't cry, but I was, I was, oh, I don't know, man. I just, it's sad when you hear someone say, I think my country's going downhill, but I'm here to try and make it better. But then it got me thinking, 
being that it's only about one and a half thousand pounds, about, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars to drill a well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. I've been doing these podcasts for a long time, so over the next couple of years, I'd really like to get involved in a water project in Africa. So watch this space. So a little bit sad, but I hope, and he certainly hopes, that this will be proved wrong. There's an election next year in the Gambia. He will be there at the polling station and maybe there'll be a new president who for once bucks the trend in African countries, doesn't want to necessarily entirely look after himself and his buddies and actually thinks about the people. This systemic problem is something that Africa's found itself in a cycle with. There are exceptions. Uh, but unfortunately they are slightly fewer and further between than everyone on this beautiful continent would like. So there you are. Now then, all that was actually earlier. Now I'm back in Senegal because I've got to fly out of the car. I'm walking down a dusty village called Tubuktua. No, I've messed it up again. Oh, I had it earlier. Balls. Tubuktua. No. I've only had one beer, Tukutuba. I'll ask this guy, Tubuktua, I think it is. There's a guy on a moped there, there's a guy on a bicycle. Let's ask this guy. Hey, Saba. My friend. How do you say this town? Tubakuta. Tubakuta, I keep getting it wrong. You okay? Yeah, good. Where are you from? England. Smoke marijuana, me a business marijuana. I don't smoke marijuana, but I appreciate the offer. Yeah, this is my job. Oh, that's your job, isn't best, it? Best, best, yeah. See, oh. I, yeah. No, I'm not a big guy on the old way. It doesn't work for me. But I try English, France. No. Where I try English. Your English is good. You try. In France, <laughs> you speak very well. My English, you try literally. <laughs> no, like I, I only like alcohol. Okay. I like, uh, je t'aime alcohol. Alcohol, no marijuana. Oui, no marijuana. But thanks for the offer. Yeah, okay, no problem. Tubak Thank tua. You. Okay, Tubak. Oh, I've done it again. Thank you. Thank you. Tubakuta. Tubak okay, I'm getting it. Tubakuta. 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 That's where I am. I mean, uh, the fact that he smokes marijuana and he knows it. I think he lives here, though. That's quite rare, actually, in Senegal. That's quite a high prison sentence for dealing marijuana. But I think he knows I'm not a policeman. It's weird, actually. You see these little pockets of um, marijuana smoking. Like, it's, no, ultimately, it's quite frowned upon because obviously it's a Muslim country. And although you can get a bar, there's a couple of bars in this little dusty town. There's um, there's very few. <laughs> I was going to say there's very few weed outlets. There's an, an enormous lack of weed outlets. Booze, on the other hand, is quite readily available. It is a Muslim country. You can probably hear the um, mosque in the background kicking out one of its tunes. Um, I'm probably going to find a bar soon. I've actually already walked past one, but I was enjoying this conversation so much with you that I thought I'd keep walking. So I'm going to do a loop round and go back to it. Past the giant baobab tree. Oh, happy days. Something absolutely magical about walking around at 11pm or whatever it is shorts and a t-shirt on and feeling nothing but perfect. This temperature is exquisite. Oh, I've just found another bar. Let's go have a look at that. There's a lot of big tour buses outside it, which makes me think this one's going to be a bit touristy. Let's go in and have a look. I think everyone's gone to bed. Oh, I can see a bar in the distance. Let's give this a go. You'll think right now that I'm walking on gravel. You'd be forgiven. I always think that. And then I look down. The weirdest thing, just like everything else that's weird around here, these are seashells. Thousands and thousands of seashells. Near a mangrove swamp. And they uh, farm oysters and clams and once they've done it, they just use the shells as gravel. Here we go. Hello. Could I have a flag, please? Flag. Flag. Wait. Wait. Silver plate. 
uh, have a beer. So I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about those predetermined notions of Africa. A lot of people think it's dangerous. And um, I'm sure it can be. Um, I mean, obviously in South Africa, it definitely is. But up here in West Africa, as long as you're nowhere near any Boko Haram, and I'm glad to say there's none around here, um, I think it's extremely unlikely you're going to have a problem. Please don't think Africa is unsafe. Please. I mean, I'm not a complete moron. Meh, debatable. But I'm wandering around at 11 o'clock with a bottle of beer in the middle of a dusty town that I've never heard of in Senegal, which I can barely pronounce, called Tubakuta. Yes, I did it. And I know I'll be fine. I really do. And you could say, well, I'm sure you're being naive. You've got no idea. If you've never been there, there'll be some people hidden behind a tree. No, I really don't think so. <laughs> it's just cool. And I have to say the same with the Gambia as well. It's been so hospitable and people have gone out of their way to be not only hospitable, but actually cautious on my behalf. For example, the other day I was on my motorbike and I had to put my motorbike on a ferry and that ferry went across a bay for about half an hour or so. I was very conscious of all my belongings, but I didn't want to take them off the bike. I walked five or six feet from the bike and the guy, a guy on a motorbike next to mine said, it's fine that you leave your bike, but please, can you just do up that zip on your bag? It's making me nervous, you know? And I don't think anything was going to happen, but like he really looked out for me and that, that story has repeated itself so many times. So I think the media, I mean, first of all, the media has a problem because it doesn't talk about Africa, all of its foibles, all of its cock-ups, all of its messes, and then millions, right? It doesn't talk about them. You never hear about anything unless there's a car bomb in like Tunisia in a tourist resort, and then it matters because white people got hurt. And I, 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 the whole vapid, vacant news media has no interest in Africa. I think it's easy to run away with the fact that because you don't hear about it and because occasionally you might hear some horror story from there or a civil war or a genocide, which yes, they have happened, um, you think, oh, Africa's unsafe and bonkers, isn't it? And it's the fear of the unknown. It's actually, weirdly, it's the same thing they use in horror movies, the fear of the unknown. It was Jaws, the first horror movie, when they sort of got behind the fact that realising that you couldn't see something is actually petrifyingly scary. And if you look at any modern day horror movie, the actual subject of the horror very rarely makes an appearance in the first half, if at all. And that's the, how the human psyche works. It's easy to think that Africa is worryingly dangerous. And I'm sure that if I was having this conversation in the Democratic Republic of Congo, I'd be saying something different. But from every single African country I've been to, it's been great. And I haven't had any problems. And that's quite typical, really. So, maybe you should come here. I mean, after all, where are you gonna get winter sunshine that's 35 degrees, get a beer for just over one euro, and uh, enjoy a perfectly reasonable hotel with clean sheets and a fan and air conditioning if you want it for 25 euro, 30 euro max. And if you really want it, you can go down the road and pay double that and have a swimming pool with absolutely all of the trimmings. Having said that, the dogs do freak you out a bit. One just came running at me. This one hasn't got a collar. Oh, he's humping my leg. Right, that's weird. Go away. No, mate. Oh, fuck off. No, you're humping my leg. You're weird. No, too weird. Now there's another one. Okay. the perfect metaphor for Africa. Just when you're telling someone that it's perfectly safe, along comes something that scares the shit out of you that turns out to be perfectly reasonable.
Book yourself a trip. Go somewhere weird. Why not? Hopefully this has inspired you a little bit. The world is wonderful and uh, it seems foolish to visit the same place twice when there's uh, 190 countries, most of which are as open and generous and loving and warm and peaceful as the Gambia and Senegal. Probably not North Korea. You have been listening to a Vinnie White's podcast. In a minute, I will reveal which other country in the world, other than the Gambia, is legally titled with a the as a prefix. And by the way, it's not the Netherlands. It begins with B. The, ba, the, ba. What is it? I will let you know in a moment. First, though, a few mentions. If you do want some audio production or a podcast made, then get in touch. I can help. Um, I have a website and uh, a company that's dedicated to all kinds of audio production and making podcasts. If you're interested, no matter where you are in the world, you can go to wemakepodcasts.uk. That's wemakepodcasts.uk. If you do live in the UK and you want some Adobe software training, go to adobe.london. That's somewhere you can set yourself up to learn pretty much anything from audition to Photoshop to InDesign to Illustrator, maybe even some Premiere. All of that can be taught into your brain box. And if you live in Canada and you want Adobe training, then go to adobetrainingtoronto.com. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Book yourself a trip. Get out there. Get amongst it. Shake a leg. And uh, I will leave you with one of my favourite conversations. Short, sweet and simple. Vinny. Vinny. What's your name? My name is Lemon. Your name is Lemon? Lemon, yes. Your name is Lemon? Lemon, Lemon. That is a great name. Uh, lemon, Lemon, yeah. I've never met a Lemon before. Uh, lemon is the best name, huh? Ah. Lemon. Good night. This was mixed and produced in the UK by We Make Podcasts. For more information, go to wemakepodcasts.uk. The Bahamas. Yeah.